0: Well, let's take our Bibles tonight, and we'll go to the book of Matthew, chapter number 6. This is the last passage in Matthew 6. We've got one chapter after this one uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, but really only a few messages there, and so we're kind of winding down. We spent quite a bit of time in chapter 5, and now we've looked at several uh, sermons out of uh, Matthew 6, but uh, tonight we're going to pick it up. In verse number 25, just to kind of wrap everyone's mind or or, or remind everyone uh, of the things that we've been discussing here. Jesus is giving his disciples uh, really a lesson in discipleship. And we could almost say that the, the words that are spoken in these three chapters are kind of a summary... ...of God's expectations for us as his people... ...as we try to live a life that's pleasing to him. And so he's been giving uh, some instruction... and, ...and teaching about what it means... ...what it looks like to be a follower... Of Christ, there are a few uh, portions of this uh, of this uh, discourse here where uh, it seems that he's not necessarily just addressing believers, but he's addressing unbelievers. I'm assuming that maybe as Jesus was talking to his disciples, that others gathered around. You know, everywhere that Jesus went, he kind of drew a crowd, and uh, and so he does address that. But primarily, uh, the, the things that are being spoken here. ...are being spoken to us as his people. And the last thing that we considered now was a couple of weeks ago... ...where uh, he told us that we're not to lay up treasure upon the earth. Our, our primary uh, focus, uh, our, our primary goal... ...is not to become uh, wealthy and rich here in this life... ...but rather we're to be focused on laying up treasure in heaven... ...and we are to be focused on eternal things... ...over temporal things. And we're going to kind of continue with a similar thought... ...tonight as we continue reading... ...beginning in verse 25. Uh, If you're able, let's stand one last time... ...as we read verses 25 through 34... ...of Matthew 6. All right, Matthew 6, verse 25. Jesus says, therefore... ...I say unto you... ...take no thought for your life... ...what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink... ...nor yet for the body what ye shall put on... Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? is the evil thereof. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we look into your word tonight that you would give us a biblical perspective of our concern about the future and help us to see what you want us to see here tonight and encourage us, challenge us, and maybe straighten out our focus where is necessary. And we trust that you'll do that according to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. This passage of scripture is one that is often cited when addressing the issue of fear or worry about the future. In fact, this is something that I've talked to people about many times as people seem to be very worrisome and fearful about what the future might hold. There are people you can talk to them, they're afraid that Uh, of of war, they're afraid of economic collapse, they're afraid of uh, all kinds of different things, another pandemic hitting, and maybe one that's far more severe than even what we've been through, and all of these things are, quite honestly, a possibility in reality. However, what Jesus is telling us is that we are not to live our lives fearful about what tomorrow may hold, but rather we are to trust God for the outcome. Now, in this passage of scripture, he addresses primarily the financial aspect of the future. Uh, He he says that uh, in verse number 25, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. And so, uh, the idea here of, of, of taking thought, or being concerned about, or worried about, Uh, What what you're going to eat tomorrow or what you're going to wear tomorrow. That's not like, you know, I've got a refrigerator full of food and my cabinets are full of food. I just am not sure. I've got so many options. I'm not sure what I'm going to pick to eat for supper tomorrow night. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, you know, when you go in your closet and you've got so many outfits that you could wear, you're just, you know, it's kind of paralysis in the analysis. You can't figure out what you're going to wear. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Don't live your life fearful that the provision won't be there to provide for your basic needs. Now, I want to just kind of clear something up here and clarify... ...because I think that there are a lot of misconceptions that have come about even from this passage of Scripture. In fact, I remember at times being told as a a younger man by older preachers... ...things like, you know, you really don't have to worry uh, or even be concerned at all about saving for the future or preparing for the days ahead because, you know, after all, uh, God's going to take care of you and so just trust God and, and don't worry about it. But at the same time, I've seen some of those same preachers that find themselves in a position where they're not physically able uh, to, uh, to, to do the things that they used to do and they find themselves in difficulty and hardship. And I think there's a lot of lack of wisdom there. Now, God has provided for them and God has taken care of them. But I don't believe that this passage of scripture is in any way telling us not to be prepared or not to be working to prepare for the future and even setting ourselves up financially for the future. Why can I say that? Well, there are a lot of other places in the Bible that actually tell us the opposite, don't they? And let's just take a minute and look at a couple of those. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Proverbs. And chapter 6, Proverbs chapter 6. And I want you to notice what Solomon here, under Holy Spirit inspiration, says these words of a wise man. He says in verse 6, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. So we're admonished to consider the way of the ant And how they work look what it says which having no guide overseer or ruler provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest what's he saying that that the ant one of the things that that ants do is that they actually throughout the summer they're busy laboring and storing up food for the winter and we're admonished to consider their ways and to be wise the idea is work hard and prepare for a day where you won't have the abundance that you have today. Hey, here's another one. Proverbs 13 in verse 22 says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Proverbs 21 and verse 10 says, There is treasure to be desired, and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. And so uh, throughout, for instance, the book of Proverbs, we're admonished several times to be saving, to be preparing. And when you really look at what the Bible has to say about money, you find that there are actually a lot of very solid uh, biblical principles that apply in personal finance and business and all kinds of different things that give us guidance about how to prepare for the future. And just in case those verses don't quite Uh, ...convince you of that. I want you to notice that 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8 says... ...but if any provide not for his own... ...and especially for those of his own house... ...he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. The Bible clearly teaches us that we ought to be diligent... ...to labor, to work, to provide for our needs... ...to provide for the needs of our family... ...and yes, even to save and prepare for the future... And so, when we look then at Matthew 6, where we just read a moment ago, how do we square these things? Where in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, there are indications that say we ought to be preparing for the future, we need to be saving, we even ought to be investing and preparing for the days ahead. Meanwhile, Jesus says, Take no thought for the morrow. Uh, is the Bible contradicting itself? Well, we know that that's not the case. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. Everything fits together uh, perfectly. But what is the Bible saying here? Well, I believe that the Bible is really speaking, and Jesus here is speaking, about a matter of perspective and priority. In regard to perspective, I want to look at verse number 25. And it says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, ...what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink... ...nor yet for the body, what ye shall put on. Look at verse 31. Therefore take no thought, saying... ...what shall we eat, or what shall we drink... ...or wherewithal shall we be clothed. Now remember here that Jesus is speaking primarily to his disciples... ...these men who left everything to follow him. In fact, we read of some of the disciples leaving their nets and following Christ and to us we get that picture oh you know these guys are out and they're they're out fishing and all of a sudden Jesus comes along and they think oh there's a better opportunity leave the nets and we're following him but those nets were more than just a hobby for them that was their livelihood I mean they literally left their business behind and they went for three and a half years following Christ who himself admitted he didn't even have a home. He said the birds of the air have nests, and, 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 and or the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but he said that the, uh, that the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. I mean, you're following me. You don't know where you're going to be sleeping tomorrow night, and you don't know exactly where your next meal is going to come from, but I don't want you to concern yourself with that. I've called you to a ministry. I've called you to do something, and... Even though you have left your financial stability, you can be confident that God will take care of you. So often I believe that Christian people are so focused on their earthly provisions that they allow that to take precedent over serving God. And the ser- serving God becomes a secondary issue in their life. You know, I'll serve God with the time that I have left over after all my needs have been met and maybe even some of my wants. After I have taken the time to make sure that, that, that I have put in my 40 hours and maybe some overtime, and, 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 and once I've dedicated all that time and then spent time with my family, if there's any time left over, I'm willing to give that to God. Folks, I want you to know that God's not interested in our leftovers. And no matter who you are and no matter what God has called you to do or put you in, that you serving God ought to be the number one priority of your life in everything you do. And by the way, I'm not saying that you can't serve God at your job and in your workplace. You ought to be doing that. You ought to be a servant of the Lord in everything that you do. But what I'm saying here is that so often we become so consumed with, and we pour so much time and energy and effort into making sure that we've got food on our table and clothes on our back, that we have no time left over for God. And Jesus is saying here, listen, you're serving me, but you don't need to be worried that I'm not going to take care of you. If we would simply trust the Lord and follow his leadership in our lives. We could be confident that whether in feast or famine. God will provide. Paul has, ha, Paul said in Philippians 4. We often like to quote verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You see that at football games and track meets. You know like, like somehow you know that verse applies to uh, how strong or how fast you can be. Listen, that's not the context of Philippians 4. Philippians 4, in the previous verses, Paul says, I know how to be full and to be hungry. I know how to abound, but I also know how to be abased. There have been times where God provided many things, and I had multiple blessings, and there have been times that things were pretty lean, And I've learned that through it all, God can sustain me. I have no need to worry about tomorrow. I have no need to fear that my needs will not be met because I am trusting God. And by the way, I want to say to you here because we have some people, I don't think we have any, like, you know, multi millionaires, deca millionaires here. Do we have any of those here? I've got a few minutes after the service if you want to meet with me. Um, but uh, I don't think we have too many of those sitting here tonight. But we, we have some people that are certainly more financially stable and comfortable than some others. And there are some of you that might be sitting here and thinking to yourself, Boy, I just if I could just have this, if I could just earn this much, if I could just uh, uh, have this much, then I would be comfortable... And some of you are maybe on the opposite side thinking, because I have this much, I'm confident and I'm comfortable. But I want you to know, whether you are rich or poor, you depend on the Lord for your provision. No matter how much or how little you have, you need to trust that God is going to take care of you. I want you to hold your place here, but go with me if you would, uh, to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 6. ...1 Timothy chapter 6. And notice what Paul says to Timothy here... ...as he gives him some admonition... ...in regard to those who are rich in this world. And he says in uh, 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 17... ...he says, charge them that are rich in this world... ...that they be not high-minded... ...nor trust in uncertain riches... But in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. What is he saying? He's saying, uh, make sure that the the, the people in the church that are very well off, that they are rich in this world. By the way, he didn't say it's wrong to be rich in this world. He didn't say it's wrong to have much. But he said, charge them that they don't put their trust, that they trust not in uncertain riches. Their confidence needs to be in God, not in their wealth. And, and so often I think that this is a, a problem for many people that we get this idea that, you know, if, if I just had this much, if I just made this much money or had this much money uh, in the bank, then, then I would be set for life. Did you know that there is no such thing as being set for life? Riches are uncertain and they fly away, (laughs) they deteriorate and one day you could have much. Just ask some of the people that back in 1929 lost everything in the stock market collapse or even more recently than that in uh, 2008. There was a pretty significant economic downturn that caused a lot of people to lo- lose their homes and lose their businesses and lose their wealth. And I'm just saying, you might think that you're stable. You're not if you're trusting in your riches and your wealth. It's here today, gone tomorrow. But our confidence is in God. Our confidence is in the Lord who is, ev- who, who is always able... ...to take care of our needs. So that's the perspective that Jesus is trying to give. But I want you to notice the the precedent that he he appeals to. He he, he points to an example here of God's ability to provide. And notice what he says in verse 26. He says, Behold the fowls of the air. I kind of get the idea that when Jesus was talking... ...maybe there were a few birds sitting on a tree somewhere nearby... Hey hey look at look at those little birds. Behold the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Have you ever stopped and considered that? You know the the birds that are flying around, uh, they don't take the time to plant food. They they're not like the the squirrels or the ants that that, that go and find nuts and store them up in a tree. They just live from day to day, from hand to mouth. And they don't, they don't put a lot of thought even into where they're, uh, how they're going to be fed. But God feeds them, doesn't he? They sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. And then he asks this question. Are ye not much better than they? You know, what is he saying? Listen, you don't have to start worrying that God's not going to take care of you until you start seeing the birds starving to death. And even then, you just know you take precedent and priority over them. God will take care of you. Isn't that good to know? You're his child. God can take care of you. You say, yeah, but I don't know where I'm going to get the money for rent. And I don't know where I'm going to get the money to buy groceries. And I'm not sure what's going to happen. And, and boy, if I don't, you know, maybe maybe even leave the will of God to take this particular opportunity. I just don't know how my family's going to make it. And friend, I just want to tell you, God is able to take care of you. Look at verse um, 27. He says, which of you by taking thought, Can add one cubit to his stature. I've joked with you about this before. A cubit is about 18 inches. I don't need to grow 18 inches. But I'd like 4 to 6 inches. And if I could just by sheer willpower, You know will myself to grow. I probably would. But I can't. I have no control over my height. And what Jesus is really saying here, and this might shake some of you up, okay? But what Jesus is saying here, you really have ultimately no control over your financial well-being. Now, don't get me wrong. There are principles in the scripture that we ought to follow. And if you'll follow those, and you'll be a better steward of the resources God has provided you. But again, rich or poor, we're all at God's mercy, are we not? We're all at the mercy of the Lord. And what he's saying is, listen, you you think that you're in control, but you're not in control. You need to trust God and let him take care of your needs. He's promised to do so. Then he says in verse 28, and why take ye thought for raiment clothing, right? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. The the flowers that are growing out there, the wildflowers. I I remember living in Texas. We got some Texans here. Uh, I remember living in Texas and a certain time of the year in the spring, uh, Texans start getting excited when the blue bonnets come out. And they they really like to go out and take pictures and and, and see the fields of blue bonnets. It's a beautiful thing, but it's also a very fleeting thing. (laughs) I mean, they only last so long and then they're gone. But it's amazing how millions of these little beautiful flowers will just kind of grow up out of nowhere, and, and it paints the landscape in a way that you, you just never imagined. I mean, honestly, uh, I like Texas. I enjoyed my time living there, but it's not the most beautiful state in our, in our nation, okay? It's not. There's a lot of dry desert and flat area, but all of a sudden... Uh, These blue bonnets come up and it's picturesque and beautiful and people travel from all over the country to come and see the blue bonnets in Texas. How'd they get there? Well, they weren't planted by man. There wasn't a gardener that came in and designed this thing. They just grew up out of nowhere, right? Wrong. Actually, God grew those flowers and God Clothed those flowers in beauty. He created beauty. And, and the lilies of the field, the flowers that grow, they don't have a brain <laughs> for them to say, you know what, I'm going to work really hard and make some really beautiful clothing that I can put on. God clothes them. And, and he says that even Solomon, in all his glory, Solomon maybe. The wisest, certainly the wisest, maybe the richest man that ever lived, uh, his clothing and 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 the beauty and and of his apparel paled in comparison to God's handiwork. And so, what Jesus is saying here is, listen: if if God can take care of the birds and God can take care of the flowers, even those that that I mean, you know, they're here one day and they're gone the next verse 30 wherefore if god so clothe the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven shall he not much more clothe you o ye of little faith friend if you're here tonight believing that your stability and your future rests on your shoulder that is not a biblical position It is a lack of faith in God and his ability to provide for your needs. God is able to care for you. David said in Psalm 37 and verse 25, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He says, in all the things I've learned in all my years of life, one thing I know, I've never seen a righteous man forsaken by God and I've never seen his children going hungry. Now, does that mean that God is always going to prosper us and make us wealthy and successful? No, it does not mean that. And quite honestly... Many of God's people will not have the opportunity even to be wealthy and to have abundance. But God is faithful to provide for our needs. God is faithful. You can rest assured tonight that God knows your need and will meet it. Isn't that good to know? God knows your need and he's willing to meet that need. And so the crux of this whole passage comes to verse 33 where he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This message again is not one of condemnation of abundance. He's not saying that it is wrong or sinful to be wealthy. He's not saying that it's wrong to put any effort into preparing for the days ahead. But what he is saying here is that that must not become your priority. Your priority first and foremost needs to be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You you need to uh, prioritize God in your life and his kingdom and and be about God's business. Again, let me give you the context. These men have left all and followed Jesus. That meant that there was a cost involved. Uh, They they were probably fairly prosperous in their fishing businesses. Or certainly Matthew as a tax collector. These guys, uh, they weren't necessarily... Uh, ...white-collar workers, but they were certainly... uh, ...they had professions that were uh, fairly stable. There was job security. There was consistent income. And they left it all behind. And where Jesus says here a few times in this passage... Take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? I get the idea that somewhere along the way, Jesus had heard some conversations between the disciples, you know? Hey guys, uh, this following Jesus is great. But um, where exactly are we going to get the money to eat? And, you know, this, these clothes that I'm wearing, they're starting to wear out. And I really could use some new ones, but I don't have what's needed to do that. So where is this going to come from? These are legitimate concerns, but Jesus says, Listen, I want you to prioritize seeking God and His righteousness. I want you to follow Him and make His kingdom the priority in your life. The things of the world pass away, friend. And yet, sadly, I believe that there are many Christian people who have fallen into the trap of prioritizing the things of this world above eternal things. It's not that we don't recognize the importance of eternal things. We understand, I mean, you're in church on a Sunday evening. Uh, That tells me that You see the importance of eternal things. You prioritize to some degree your relationship with God. You want to serve the Lord. I'm thankful for that. But let's just be real honest. If we're not careful, sometimes that becomes secondary to the other things in our lives. We'll spend 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week wrapped up in providing for our temporal needs. And yet we have trouble sometimes finding two or three hours a week for the Lord. And I'm just going to tell you that I don't think, and this is between you and God, it's between me and God, but I don't think that that balance is necessarily consistent with seeking first the kingdom of God. Sometimes we allow things to get in the way And I'm going to go to meddling here for just a minute, okay? I'm not condemning anyone in general or or in, in particular, but I'll condemn you all in general, okay, and me too. I understand that there are certain circumstances where people have to work at a time when they should be in church. I'm thankful that as we're here tonight that there are police officers out patrolling and there are doctors and nurses in the ER, and there are firemen and EMTs out there uh, doing what has to be done 24-7. And I understand that sometimes Christian people end up in a, in a field like that, and it gets in the way of sometimes uh, their, even their ability to be in church. I get that. But I think it's... I think as God's people, we ought to think twice before letting our job take us out of church well there's an opportunity for overtime on Sunday and I'd love to be in church but we've got some bills that we need to pay and I've just got to work you know what we're really saying in that friend lovingly I'm seeking first the things of this world And I'll seek God once those things are met. Folks, I believe and I I have personally known Christian people. Men who felt called to the ministry and called to the mission field. But hesitated and held back. Because they were concerned about their ability to meet the needs of their family. Listen. Men, husbands. Husbands you need to be concerned about your families and you need to provide for them. We just read in 1 Timothy 6, if any man provide not for his own, he's denied the faith and worse than an infidel. If you won't work to provide for your family, uh, God says you're worse than an unbeliever. That's a problem. You better get to work. But I want you to know this. You never have to be afraid to trust God to be able to take care of your family. Most of the people who've done great things for the Lord have done so without too much concern for what it's going to cost them physically and financially. The number of missionaries that have gone to the field and left fairly lucrative positions to take maybe somewhat of a hand-to-mouth kind of salary because they want to do what God's called them to do? Friend, I'm just telling you, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, God's able to take care of your needs. There was a time, and I I won't go into detail, I don't like to use myself as an illustration too frequently, but there was a time when we were first married um, that I was working in sales and... and, um, doing fairly well at it. But that sales job became pretty time-consuming. I was trying to finish up Bible college. We had every intention of going to the mission field. We were on our way to that. But it was one of those situations where I was either going to take the next step in sales or I was going to continue in the path toward ministry. And there was an offer put before me uh, and kind of a path forward in terms of becoming sales manager at our office and then with the, with the goal within about a year to a year and a half of opening my own office and becoming hopefully more successful. That was the, the idea and the goal. And that was presented to me and it was like there's a crossroads here. I'm not saying that this is true for everyone. I'm not saying that it's true in every circumstance of life. I'm not saying that God couldn't do the same thing uh, and and with a different outcome tomorrow. But what I'm saying is for me, I knew. I knew. I'm either going to go this way and my service to God is going to be put on a back burner or I'm going to go this way and I'm going to have to let go of the opportunity for success in that area. And I I want you to know something, friend. To say yes to one thing is to say no to a lot of other things. And that's one reason a lot of people have trouble making decisions because they don't like saying no to other things. I just want to tell you this. Say yes to God and let him determine what things you need to say no to. I'm thankful that God has always provided for my family. At times he's provided with abundance, at a time at times he's provided with a little bit more leanness, but God has always provided. And I believe that so long as I put God first, that he will continue to provide. Why do I believe that? Because he told me so right here. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then the promise, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now again, what what are these things? All these things shall be added unto you. A big house with a pool and a Mercedes sitting in the driveway? No. Food, (laughs) clothing. God will take care of your needs. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. But friend, I just want to say to you tonight, never be afraid to trust God. ...God and put him first... ...and step out in faith... ...and maybe say no... ...to some things and opportunities... ...things that might seem... ...helpful or needful... ...put God first. Proverbs 3 and verse number 9... ...says honor the Lord with thy substance... ...and with the first fruits... ...of all thine increase... ...so shall thy barns be filled with plenty... ...and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. What's he saying? Put God first... ...even of your increase, even of your income, your money... ...put God first. Give to God first. And trust that God can meet your needs. And we, That's one of the first things we teach. New Christians, new believers, isn't it? Honor God with your finances. When you get income, you work a job, you get a paycheck... ...you, you get some money for your birthday, whatever it is... ...young people, whatever it is, take the first part of that... ...and the, the principle in the, in the Bible is 10, 10%. Time is the Lord's. We give that to God... First, and we tithe not off of the net but off of the gross. Why? Because we pay God before we pay government. Amen. We give him the first. Well, but but preacher, you don't understand. I can't afford to do that. I I, I need every penny that I can get. I'm just telling you. If you'll honor God with the first, He'll take care of the rest. Honor God with the first day of the week. I just don't have enough time in, in my week. I I I've got too much going on. I don't have time. To be in church, honor God with the first and let him take care of the rest. I, I'm just saying this is a principle, uh, folks, that if we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and even be willing to say, I'm not going to worry about what, the, what tomorrow holds or, 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 or whether I'm going to have enough money or enough food. I know God can take care of me. I'm just going to live for him and do what he wants me to do above all else. And trust that he can and will provide as it pleases him. And so tonight as we wrap this up, I just want to ask you, where is your focus tonight? Are you prioritizing the things of this life and the things of this world, emphasizing uh, things of temporal importance and value... Or are you putting first in your life that which is eternal? Your walk with God? Your service to God? Uh, your, the, the things that God has called you to do, are you putting him first? Or is he coming after all the other things? After all the, after all the other boxes are checked, then I'll take time to serve God. I want you to know if that's the way that you approach it, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. I've got a A good friend, a friend that I love very much. He loves the Lord. I have no question about that at all. Uh, He is a godly man. He loves God. He's got a job that is very demanding. uh, Extremely demanding of his time. And while he'll often have very good intentions to be in church or involved in some area of service if something comes up at work it always takes that place and about 10 years ago he looked me in the eye and he said i just need to do this for about two more years and then i'm going to retire and i'm going to give everything to the lord and i'm just going to serve the lord that was 10 years ago he's not retired He's still busy. He's still in church. He still loves God. He's still active. But I think he'd tell you that it's not necessarily priority number one. Can I encourage you, please, put God first and leave the rest up to him. If that means that he leads you down a path of great financial success and wealth and well-being, praise the Lord. And if it means he leads you down a path of some leanness in life, praise the Lord because he'll provide for you, he'll take care of you, and you can trust him, just put him first. Put him first and let him take care of the rest.